Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, content marketing for manufacturers. My guests are two journalists who I work side-by-side -side with every day. Collectively, they've interviewed hundreds of deep subject matter experts in the manufacturing sector, from owners to engineers, to technical experts on the shop floor. Both have extracted vast amounts of knowledge from the brains of these experts, packaged it up as written content time and time again, and watched it drive growth for a wide variety of manufacturing organizations. In today's conversation, they'll specifically dive into five things that are holding today's B2B manufacturers back from creating exceptional content, and they'll explain why now is the right time to change that. Let me introduce them. Rose Hansen is a senior writer at Gorilla76. Her expertise is in long-form storytelling, which she applies to producing strategic narratives for clients. Before joining Gorilla76, Rose penned award-winning features for media outlets such as The Washington Post, Outside Magazine, Missouri Life, and more. Outside of work, you'll find Rose outside. She devotes free time to hiking and adventure photography with her border collie Heckle at her side, Rose holds a BS in forest resources from Oregon State University and an MFA in creative writing from the University of Minnesota. James Buckman is content director at Gorilla76. James is a writer who enjoys the creative process as a means of learning and problem solving. He likes talking with people to engage with what matters in a story. James previously reported on the St. Louis food and beverage industries for Sauce Magazine. In his free time, James loves to cook and writes fiction and music. And if you can't find him at home, he's probably with friends at a nearby lake, river, or park. James grew up in St. Louis and holds degrees in philosophy, BA, and English, creative writing, a BA, from the University of Missouri. Rose and James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely honored to be here. Heck yeah, it's been too long since I invited you on the show here. Don't take offense to it or anything. It just sort of occurred to me one day, I got to get these two on the show and let's talk about one of my favorite topics, which is, is content marketing. So great to have you guys here. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's do it. So Rose and James, content marketing doesn't tend to be an area of expertise for a lot of manufacturing organizations, as both of you already know. <laughs> I imagine that for a lot of our listeners, content means things like product pages on the website, whatever print materials you bring to IMTS or PAC Expo or FabTech or whatever trade shows you're going to next. Can you start by talking about what we even mean when we use the word content and also what makes great content? What I mean when I use the word content is I mean all of the literature, video, media that you are putting in front of a prospect before, during, and after they've ever contacted you to work with you. And I think like content marketing, generally speaking, is focused on everything that you can give a prospect 
before they ever talk with a salesperson. I think probably for a lot of organizations, content is something that folks start to get as soon as they're in contact with the salesperson and never before. And I think that's why we harp on doing things differently so often because the way the internet works and the way the world works and the way people work mean that the mindshare is for the taking before they come to you and before you've ever met them in person. And content is just the avenue for communicating with those people without needing to be face-to-face with them and without even needing to know who they are. Well said, Rose. The only other piece I'd add to that is that I think that good content is driven by a strategy. It's not just content that's saying, this is who we are. Look at how great we are. Look at how neat our company history is. This is where we're located. It's trying to proactively answer the questions of the prospective buyer in various parts of what we call the buyer's journey. We're trying to proactively imagine what are the problems that these people have and trying to position the brand company or a specific product into that arc. Okay. So you've both kind of given me sort of a definition of content or what you what you think of when you would describe the role of content. What makes for great content versus just, you know, the typical stuff that most companies are spitting out? I think the generic advice that we give to clients on first introductions is that great content is clear content. It clearly states exactly what a company provides and the benefit that the audience will gain from purchasing that product or service. Um, But to take it a step further, I believe that in order for content to truly be great, it has to be delightful. Um, There has to be this element of it that surprises us and makes it memorable. I think the only thing that I'd add is that, you know, you're not going to have an opportunity to, I mean, I guess you could take an opportunity to ask every person that views your content or try, send an email. Oh, I saw you looked at this. Did it surprise or delight you? But what you're really going to find is it's working if people come to sales more excited. If when someone reaches out to talk to you, they are excited to work with you. Great content makes people feel like they would be honored to, you know, purchase your clamshell lathe, that it w- that you're special. They, they feel an excitement about who you are and what you do. Great content is going to make them that amount of excited. It just occurred to me, James, that I think that the clamshell lathe is one of my clients. I think that one of the things that makes potential audiences feel special is that they feel seen. And so there has to be an element in the content that reflects that you understand exactly who you're talking to. I love all that. And I think it's it's kind of a good segue into what I really want to get into today, which is what is stopping B2B manufacturers from making great content? I think a lot of them just don't know what to do, frankly. They it's this is this concept is just, you know, it's it's not the way they think. Marketing to a lot of companies is sort of just talking about ourselves. It's what are we going to say at the trade shows? It's what are we going to pitch our our prospects in in outbound messaging? And so I think that's part of it. But I think there are, are a number of reasons that manufacturers are in general are not most of them at least. I don't want to speak for everybody here because there are some great great content marketers out there in the industrial sector. But what is stopping? companies from making great content. I know the two of you have sort of organized your thoughts around five pillars or so that are reasons for this. So 
Can you start out by just naming what those things are? And then I'm going to ask you to go into each one in, in more depth. Sure. I'll go ahead. Number one, you have no clear brand identity. Number two, you don't understand your customers. Number three, you are not collaborating. Number four, you are being boring. And number five, you don't know where to focus. Okay, awesome. So laid the foundation there. Let's go into each one, one by one here. So number one, you name there, James, is you have no clear brand identity. Can the two of you kind of talk about what that means? I think oftentimes the mistake that especially manufacturers for some reason make is they get really lofty with what they are. They'll say, like, let's pretend you're an aircraft parts manufacturer. Your your brand identity, you'll come in and say, the key to life is altitude and airspeed. But that doesn't actually mean anything. That doesn't tell us who you are, what you make. And when we think about brands, it comes in two parts. One is about what you physically make. Maybe it's cables and connectors for the semiconductor industry industrial labels, commercial air conditioning units, bollards. And then apart from that, there is what are you actually selling? Are you just selling parts for automotive companies? Or are you selling the confidence to know that you selected the right part? I think that second step is where a lot of companies just, they don't know how to how to get there. I think you're 100% right. And I, I don't really think there's much necessary really to add in terms of where the gap is, I think that it's a hard thing to do some for some of these companies without ending up in the lofty, meaningless space. But there is really something between, you know, a platitude about revolutionizing commercial flooring and selling tile. Like there is a wide swath of middle ground there. And somewhere in there are the emotional reasons why people care that you exist. And that is or should be a part of your identity just as much as you know the specs of your product okay well said so that was number 1 on our list of why or what's stopping manufacturers from making great content number 1 was no clear brand identity what's number 2 the second big barrier that companies have is that they don't understand their customers this comes down to what we have harped on for years at Gorilla, customer research, customer research, customer research. You have to know who you're selling to. And when we say that, we don't just mean job titles and locations. We mean, what are the daily pressures that they face? How do they see a good day or a bad day on the job? Where is life falling short where your product can make a difference for them? Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is this idea of like aspirational identity. Who do these people want to be? once your product is in their lives for something like, and and I get it, not every product is going to be life-changing. You know, we're not selling pacemakers every day here. Sometimes we're just selling, this is just a product I've been thinking about a lot lately, cables and connectors. You know, they're, It's just the plug that you put into the wall that makes your product work. You know, at a base level, it seems really straightforward, but what it actually means is that if you understand who you're selling to and why that connector or cable matters so much, what the pressures of their industry are, you're helping them sell the confidence to know that they made the right choice when you picked when they picked your product. And that's really important. I've seen a lot of companies come in with a lot of assumptions about who they think their customers are. And then they're totally surprised by the things that their customers actually say when asked, you know, why did you pick this company? Why did you pick this product? 
Why did you go about this project in this particular way? You have to listen to your customers. And I think it's worth noting that if you do sell a commodity product, that doesn't mean like, oh, I can't make... Like if you sell a commodity product that no one can tell the difference between yours and someone else's, and it makes absolutely no impact on anyone's life, and you can prove that to me with an argument, and you say, I guess that means we don't need to do great content because we're, you know, we're exempt. I would say we have a client who is literally a commodities trader, and they get the best reports on content that I've ever seen, which is their customers in interviews telling me that they rely on the content to do their job. You know, you can still reach out and help someone do their job with a market report or, you know, just musings on, and like your perspective can still matter. Your identity can still matter, even if your product is a commodity, but you, to get to that point, you need to know what these folks actually need to help do their job. Sometimes you can make a difference with content, even if you can't with the product. And guess what? That will sell product, commodity or not, at whatever price. Yeah, but you, there's no shortcut for knowing what those people want. You have to talk to your customers. Maybe you can do that during the sales process. You, maybe you can do what we do and go out and do formal 30-minute, hour-long interviews with these customers, asking them about their entire buyer's journey. But however you get there, it's important to set up some process for gathering those insights consistently and using them to direct your marketing strategy. I love all that. I, I think there's really no replacement for you know hearing those words directly from your customers, being able to identify patterns and and trends. And when you hear the same people say this, you know, r- roughly or you hear different people say roughly the same thing, maybe in slightly different words. It's like those are your triggers. This is so, if. if Five people have told me they care about this. There are probably hundreds or thousands of other people who also care about that. And I think letting that drive your messaging strategy and the content that surrounds it is one of the smartest things that, that you can do. But you're right. It all comes down to what the customer cares about and, and having a really clear understanding of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, just one more thought on mm-hmm. that note, Joe, is maybe you did customer research 10 years ago and you feel like you understand your customer base. Customers change. The world is changing really, really, really fast right now. So if you feel like your marketing or sales has somehow gone stagnant and you're not sure why, but you you think you understand your customer base, it might be time to go back and, and talk to people from your most recent sales cycle and see if anything has shifted in the market. Great point. So we're talking about the five reasons that manufacturers struggle with making great content or what's stopping them from making great content. First one we talked about was no clear brand identity. The second one was you don't understand your customers. What's number three? Number three is you are not collaborating. I think something that we see when we come in and start working with clients, the state before we showed up was there was one person who was tasked with basically anything that was going to go on the website, anything that was going to be used at a trade show, anything that was going to be used as sales collateral. And they had this laundry list of content they needed to make. They did not have access, direct access to customers. They did not have direct access in volume, even necessarily to folks on the team. You know, um, you might have situations where you say, well, that person needs to just do their job. Like, don't be bothering the head engineer of this project just to, 
you know, have a conversation with them to make a blog post, like that isn't worth it. Well, guess what? Like all of your content is very now insular. It's, it's all coming from this one mind. Your company may as well be this one person. Maybe that helps you have a consistent voice, but it sure doesn't help you be incredibly interesting or surprising for customers. And it gives you a lot less interesting things to talk about. Yeah, it's also likely not a very informed voice. If you are one marketing person at a manufacturing agency and you're not talking to your head engineer, the chances that you actually understand the R&D stuff going on in their department is really, really low. And it's going to be really hard for you to translate that into making it meaningful for your audience. So you better be talking to your subject matter experts in-house. And there are so many ways to take an hour long conversation with someone. If, if the most crucial person on your team, that person sits outside of marketing, (laughs) The, the most crucial person in the company is not in the marketing department. And an hour of that person's time taken very seriously and handled the right way can make lots of content. It is not like a like for like trade off. Just an hour of that person's time can produce content that spans, you know, a month of your marketing person's effort. You know, it's videos from an interview. It's documents built from what that person said. It's assisted research. I mean, you could do anything with that time and it almost always scales beyond the amount of effort put in by these other people. You just have to engage them and create a situation where two different minds are hashing something out and taking something that your R&D team is working on and bringing it down to the problem and solution that you're offering a customer in a way that's you know palatable to them, which is usually something that the marketing or salesperson is good at. You just have to get them in the room with the right people and let them, let them do it, let them cook, so to speak. Yeah. I think when I see companies that aren't willing to devote some time from their deep subject matter experts to marketing. It's just a a sign to me that this company doesn't really even understand the purpose of marketing. I mean, especially content marketing. You You think about what we're trying to do here. We are trying to help the people that you need to reach and influence, your prospects, your customers, to help them understand something, to look at a better way to you know, do their job to help them figure out how to get to a solution or solve a problem. And the people on your team who understand that the best are your deep subject matter experts. It's often engineers and technical professionals, people who interface regularly with customers or are solving problems for them. And I just think it's really, really hard to make great content without involving them. And it doesn't mean that you know, it's going to be a huge part of their job. I think James, you said it like one hour of their time, maybe even 30 minutes periodically with, you know, very intentionally planned out conversation where you know what you want to get out of it and you know what you're going to be talking about and you've come prepared to ask the right questions of that subject matter expert. It it can just do wonders. You know, it's a completely different situation than when you tell your marketing person to go write a blog post to go research something to write a blog post. It's not going to have any kind of impact. So I like the way you, you you summed that up there. And I think that it sounds a lot more palatable when you put it up against the thing that we didn't even mention, which is 
collaborating with your customers. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're not going to take a subject matter expert's time, are you going to take a customer's time? We, we have a client who, before we worked with them, shortly before we worked with them, they worked out an agreement with one of their biggest new customers to, okay, we installed this system in your facility. Can we shoot a case study video of it? And what we can do then too is also shoot like we'll bring it a video team on. We'll shoot a video for you while we're on site. Nice little work trade. It's like perfect. Now we have super compelling content because it's coming from two directions. We've got the customer talking. We don't just have our person talking. And that kind of thing only happens if you're willing to work with other people. One person cannot make something like that. It won't happen. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I'm really excited to announce an incredible event our team at Gorilla76 will be co-hosting in late January and early February of 2024 in Austin, Texas, just for marketers in the manufacturing sector. I'm going to hand it to our strategist, Peyton Warren, to give you the details. Hi, I'm Peyton Warren, strategist at Gorilla76. Over the past few years, our team has been running twice per month digital learning events for industrial marketers called Industrial Marketing Live. It's been a huge success, and we're seeing 50 to 100 manufacturing marketing folks show up regularly. But one thing this group has told us is that they've been itching for a live, in-person event just for them. Well, we're super excited to be teaming up with True Marketing and Cadena's Part Solutions to deliver exactly that. January 31st through February 2nd of 2024, we'll be co-hosting the Industrial Marketing Summit in Austin, Texas. We have an incredible lineup of speakers for day one who will be covering topics that include SEO in the dawning era of AI, high-impact product marketing, elevating the role of marketing within your manufacturing organization, and giving out a demand generation playbook for B2B manufacturers. And that just skims the surface. On day two, we'll be conducting in-depth breakout sessions to go deeper on some of these key topics and help you apply them inside your own organizations. Not only will this be an intensive learning event with some of the sharpest minds in the industrial marketing space, but we'll be hosting social events in the evenings with great food and venues for networking with other manufacturing folks who are trying to solve the same kinds of marketing challenges you are. We're limited to 300 seats, so visit industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more and reserve your ticket. We'd love to see you in Austin. So we're talking about five things stopping manufacturers from making great content. We've talked about not having a clear brand identity, not understanding your customers, not collaborating. What's number four? Number four is what I make my bread and butter on. And it's that I help companies not tell boring stories about themselves. I guess the data turn for this is is that they don't have a a knack for narrative. Um, They don't know how to tell their own brand story or product story or customer story. And and despite what like the like today's hottest topic says about AI, this is not something that from what I can see, ChatGPT can fix for manufacturers, parentheses, yet. Companies are being boring. They don't know how to present content in a compelling way. And the reason for it is because they don't understand how to tell a story with a hero, which is not the company themselves, it's the client, a problem, a potential solution, some kind of setback, and then the ultimate resolution that highlights the efficacy of that company's product or service. And, you know, I think that 
it's, it's really easy for that to sound like this really awful indictment, like, oh gosh, like I'm, I'm boring. My content is boring. It, t- it turns out that's like, that's like most content out there. If you think about, you know, how many newsletters you might've received in the last three weeks. And now think about how many you even opened because you've seen a newsletter before you've, you've seen one from this company before, and you know, you don't actually like them and they're not even worth the time to open it and unsubscribe. And I think that kind of what it comes down to is that some of this stuff is really hard. Like people go to school to learn how to write and tell a story. Plenty of folks that we work with who probably feel like they were making boring content and that's why they wanted to work with us are really fun to talk to. I really enjoy working with them and they tell great stories when I speak with them. And I think that there's sometimes it's an act of like getting down in front of a screen and thinking that content has to be written and trying to force yourself to write something that just makes you boring. I would encourage folks to like, figure out how to break the barrier between what's actually exciting about this thing that you are excited about. You know, hopefully you believe in your company and you believe in what they do. What's stopping you from translating that excitement into content? And if I can move away from the things that are in my way, in the way of my excitement, getting onto a page or uh, someone else's computer screen, maybe like I can solve it. Companies that think that they need to figure out a blog before they do video are going to struggle. Like you, sometimes video is easier. Sometimes audio is easier. Sometimes a podcast is easier. I think it's worth playing, you know, have fun, try things and figure out what actually makes sense for you. Because I promise you're not as boring of a person as your content is. So, but it will take some working on different muscles to figure out how to make that translate properly. Yeah. I mean, storytelling is really hard and there are a lot of people who are just terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) But James, to your point, I think experimenting with different mediums can mediums, mediums can be really creatively liberating. I was just thinking about there's a difference between writing a case study for your website that either just focuses on the facts. I'm looking at one from a client right now that just does product description, our role in the project, the value added, the alternative methods versus writing a 600 character ad or, you know, story about your product. I just did one for a client that used negative storytelling. So it was just talking about all of the things that this product prevented the end user from doing. There are so many ways to experiment with it. So, you you know, companies shouldn't feel like the only way to tell a story is to tell it in in writing. Yeah, I, I love all that. And I completely agree. I think a lot of companies just feel like, wow, we, we sell this thing. It's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, it's a technical product. There's not really an interesting way to describe this. And I think we would almost always push back against that and say, you, you maybe you're just not thinking about it the right way or... And I think how I think looking at it through the the customer's lens again is is always a, a good way to to do it because I mean to, yeah what you sell may be a boring product but to your customer it solves an important problem and if you can think about it that way and think about the different ways to communicate that story or whatever we want to call it there's a, there's always an interesting way to do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think framing things through the perspective of your customer is key. It's, I don't know if I've ever seen a compelling story that's framed through the identity of the company. I'd have to think about that. I just did a, or earlier this year, I did a case study for a client who their story was great customer service. You know, they just wanted to highlight great service. Well, that's wonderful, you know, and we found a customer who he needed tight turnaround training for his entire team on Christmas Eve. And that became the story. And this, the the crisis in the story was that he wanted to make it home in time to have Christmas with his family. So could he please get this training done as quickly as possible? And our customer delivered. I mean, that is a great story. It's It's about taking action quickly, mobilizing, giving the customer what they want versus just some generic story about we strive for the best customer service. We prioritize rapid response. We, 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 it it just doesn't hit home the same way as this dude trying to make it home for Christmas. That's a great example. There's a side project for you, Rose. Compile a list of five or 10 things like that as, as ways to communicate a, a simple, boring idea in a really interesting way. All right. So we've talked about four things that are stopping manufacturers from making great content. What's number five on that list? Number five, you don't know where to focus. I mean, if anyone, like assuming that a listener of this episode has listened to the podcast before, they've heard folks talk about how important it is to have focus, to know who you're talking to, to select who you're talking to, to decide that these are the people that I'm going to market to for a reason. It's kind of like, when Rose mentioned earlier, like great content is strategic. You're making it because X, Y, and Z reason um, and X, Y, and Z outcome you're hoping to generate. I think that all of those nice things that we just talked about in one through four become flippant and wasteful and really unimportant if you just leverage them however you want, just because. Oh, like I think our brand identity should be this, you know, I, it's just a a way of creating waste. And, you know, I think that what part of what attracted, attracts me to gorilla is that, you know, everyone who is a normal person sees advertising as relatively wasteful. It's an industry where tons of work is done. It's hard to see, you know, sometimes where the result came from, with some, you know, you just watch the Super Bowl and you think, my gosh, all of the money spent and all of the effort spent to make a Doritos commercial that makes no sense whatsoever. And it's like, that doesn't work for manufacturing companies. The budget isn't there. It doesn't fit how you operate, how you got to where you are. You didn't get where you are by making non-strategic decisions and just doing whatever you wanted. And the same has to apply to marketing. You have to drill down your focus, know what you want to say, know who you want to say it to, have an idea of how they need to hear it. And it you need to plan. Otherwise, you you might even make all this content. And some of it might be good. But if you haven't focused in you know, how you deliver it or how you distribute it or even like the medium that you execute it in, I mean, you could waste a lot of good content without this. So for me, it's like, it's kind of like the package. If you build like a great, if I build a wonderful computer and then I ship it to someone in a paper bag and it rains and, you know, gets ruined, 
then what have I really done? I've just wasted a lot of time and money and effort. Focus is kind of like the package. That is the only way that any of this content actually makes a meaningful impact on your business. Rose, anything you want to add there? Gosh, I feel like James nailed it. I mean, what I was thinking when I think in terms of companies don't know where to focus is they don't know which product to push or which sector they're chasing. But the way that James frames it through that much more, you know, holistic aerial view, I think is is a much more accurate description of the problem that's holding companies back from creating and distributing great content to their audiences. Partly because this stuff is expensive if you don't have focus. You know, the amount of content you would need to make to have a meaningful impact on your business, if you did not have a plan, if you did not say, we are going to talk about X product to X audience, and we're going to tell the full story of like the different ways that this matters, go through all the different use cases. This is where we are going to spend our time for the next eight months. And for that eight months, you wrote content aimed at seven different audiences across your full product line, you would make no, like the amount of impact you would actually make compared to the amount of effort, the gap would be immense. And it's just because like, you can't make meaning out of one simple thing. Your product doesn't matter because of one thing that you, uh, one ad that someone saw. Again, it's like a conversation you're having with a prospect and Marketing without a plan is like when I see a company that I don't know really who they are, even after I've gotten 95,000 of their ads on LinkedIn, I can't even log into LinkedIn without seeing something by them. And I still yet have no idea who they are, what they do, Mm. could not care about them any less. And it's so obvious that they don't have a plan. They don't know where to focus. And that I just, I just keep falling into the, to the loop. Well, we've covered quite a bit here. I think there's a really great conversation. We've gone through five reasons or five ways, five things that are stopping manufacturers from making great content. Rose, James, is there anything else you'd like to add to this conversation before we wrap it up? I I think really the only thing that I would add is that, you know, if that feels like a lot of work and to maybe you feel like these all of these five things apply to you and gosh what a herculean effort to turn things around and start making great content and god it can't possibly be worth it there must be some middle ground you know between here and there that we can shoot for i mean sure you might make some progress but it's it's hard for me to put into words how this is like foundational like the, what we're describing is not level 10. It's not 10 out of 10. We didn't even talk about, you know, collaborating with influencers. We didn't even talk about, you know, leveraging events, going live with content. We didn't even, we like, there are, there are levels far beyond this. If, if you adhere to these five, if you fix these five problems, your content will be great for industrial and it'll be par in other verticals across the economy. And if you don't close this gap in the next one, two, five years, it's not going to be five things you're doing wrong anymore, or five missed opportunities. It's going to be nine or 10. It's a ship that's going to be tough to turn around. It just is. This stuff is hard work. And to not start 
because it's hard is really bad. It's like, it's like looking a problem in the face and leaving it. It's like, you're hoarding the problem. You need to take out the trash and clean up. You, you can't, you can't get rid of this gap by waiting. So I, I think it, I guess, yeah, I would just end with a call to action, like understand that, yes, this is kind of a lot of work. It's only going to become more work the longer you wait to start tackling some of this stuff. I think that's a really good fear-based reason to pursue this stuff. If you are not the kind of company owner that's motivated by fear, <laughs> I would say that the reason you should try experimenting with this stuff is because it'll it'll probably feel really good. It will be fun. It will make you fall in love with your company. You're going to be talking to customers who are really happy with the products that you've made and the the people who are serving them. And it's nice to get that reinforcement. It seems to me like a lot of our clients, when they start reading call reports and key insights and takeaways from customer research, they're really, really happy because it makes them feel really good about themselves. So if if you're holding back from doing this stuff because you're afraid of what it might reveal, don't be, because it's probably going to be a lot more flattering than you think, and it will surprise you. Well, I love the parting words there from both of you. Really good conversation today. Uh, I know that we we almost had to create focus for ourselves here. Or we could probably talk about this stuff all day long. So, thank you for both uh, both of you for doing this. I, we we waited too long to do it. And we're gonna have to do it again sooner than than later. So, really appreciate you guys joining. Absolutely, I feel I feel great now. This is like the best. This is the best <laughs> industrial podcast. Now I've been on it. This is awesome. <laughs> Flattering, James. I listened to so many hours of you when I was prepping for to interview for this job. So, I mean, talk about a professional full circle. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, yeah, again, thanks for doing this. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.